she was like, "Oh, Pete, you know, you're, yeah, you're like you're just the guy who gets knocked, who gets knocked down, and gets back up again. You know, you're so resilient." And I just remember thinking in that moment, and this is minus various swear words in my internal thought process of I just I don't want to be resilient I just want to be I just want to come to races and do them. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Run-In. Will's here, I'm here and we're going to bring in our guest straight away because he's been involved in most of the things we want to talk about in this podcast. Um, Pete Malloy, welcome to The Run-In. Thank you very much. Thanks. It's great great to be on the podcast. Oh, very glad to have you. Will, I want to check in with you first because last podcast you weren't feeling very well. So you had COVID. No. How's it, how are you going now? Uh, I'm infinitely better than last time we spoke, Catherine. Um, I can't Good. really remember the last time we spoke, which I think says volumes for how bad the COVID was. Um, yeah, it was effectively like two weeks just bedridden, which wasn't too fun. Um, but yeah, no, back on my feet now. I can start training as of next week. Um, and yeah, it'll all be good. So I um, I promise to be in a slightly better mood and more talkative than the last time we recorded. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't very cognitive. No, I do feel slightly bad. I, I, I promise to everybody listening that I didn't make Will come on the podcast. He did volunteer, yeah. but maybe that was a stupid thing to do. Did you manage to it, watch any of the European was. champs, Will? Um, I watch the no i didn't actually um uh i can't and i can't remember why this is how bad the covid the covid brain fog is i can't remember anything really that happened um, okay, i think so i went to watch a couple of the i was watching the commonwealth games too much i was watching the gps tracking but i was a bit too cheap to pay for the live coverage <laughs> outrageous come on don't want to listen to my amazing commentary well, well we'll have to fill you in then between the two of us we'll have to fill you in on on what's happened but um we will get more to the european championships but pete i actually wanted to bring you on to the podcast today um kind of mostly to chat about jaywalk and junior world champs um, that was held in Portugal, or like a, a half jaywalk was held in Portugal. Yes, indeed. Um, yes. And I actually want to start kind of two and a half years ago because, you know, you're a top year junior right now. It's been a tough couple of years with, first of all, uh, you know, the first world champs getting postponed, getting cancelled. Then the, the next junior world champs, you couldn't... It was a red country. Turkey was a red country. You simply weren't allowed to go. Also, GB didn't send a team to EYOC, um, which I think was in Lithuania uh, last year as well. So um, can you kind of put it across as what life has been like as a as an older junior in orienteering over the last two and a half years? It's a big question, I get it. Yeah, that's a big question. That's a really big question. It's it's funny because I, I, I suppose I started my gb competing back in 2018 and then i went to jaywalk in 2019 which i was i was the youngest on the team it was me and megan keith were the sort of the babies of the team and i wasn't expecting to go and i went and it was an amazing week and gb just did so well and you know the girls won the relay fiona got medals grace got medals it was absolutely brilliant and then we had jack and that was great so like for me 2020 was i was just seeing it as like an upward trajectory really and I would hope to go to jaywalk again go to jack again and you know that would just carry on and then obviously it all it all died it all stopped and there was chat in 2020 about this I think they called it like the European Junior Championships or something in Hungary mm. and I was pretty skeptical about that it never happened in the end and then everything was kind of put on ice and then 2021 obviously we had Turkey and Turkey was red 
uh, in terms of the GB COVID restrictions. So there was there was nothing we could do. And it was it was a really odd thing because I was very happy that JWAT was happening. And I think it's great that it did happen. But at the same time, you're sat at home feeling like a bit of a gooseberry because, you know, you, you can't go and you want to be there. And, you know, they selected a team. We had selection races in the lakes. And so that was tough. So it's been it's been great this year. It's just been um, I've just enjoyed it so much being out competing again. It's so fun being back. You know, I've I've been abroad more times I can count this year doing races either with GB or with my Finnish club or just for me. You know, it's been fantastic. So, yeah, but it has been a really tough few years for juniors. I think we've we've had less races than the seniors. It's been you, you, you don't have the experience necessarily and maybe the motivation to carry on. For us older guys, that's easier. But I know for a lot of the younger juniors, uh, it's really hard. And also, as a final thing, like the, the social aspect of orienteering, you know, it's a it's a really social sport. You People love going to events and seeing their friends and training camps and in, and competitions as well it's a fantastically social thing and we we kind of lost that um for nigh on two years which is pretty tragic but the great news is it's all back so that's just wonderful i think yeah what kept you going it's very easy to kind of fall off the fall off the back of that and and you know and stop orienteering or or if not stopping orienteering kind of stopping competing at a high level so what kept you going through those years of no competitions or watching all the other competitions happening I, th- I think for me a lot of it was like what I'd done in 2019 in terms of going to jaywalk and and jack as well I just saw I had an amazing time it was great to compete at what is in junior sport the highest level and it really you know I kind of caught the bug for it and I thought this is great I want to do this more and I can do this more and partly as a more mundane reason, it was just the boredom. Like, I love training. I love training. I love running. I love going training. I love doing orienteering. And it there wasn't much else to do for a lot of, you know, my first year of university, I started uni in October 2020. The, we, there was no social activities. There was, we had lockdowns for it. My second term, I was at home. I wasn't allowed to go back to uni. So the training was just kind of almost a robotic response, really, of just time spent outside and away from screens, away from, you know, working and everything. So, yeah, different reasons. The kind of exciting long-term prospects and just the (laughs) the mundane, which is I don't want to play any more FIFA, so I'll go out and do some training. Yeah, realistic and and honest answer. Um, But so that jaywalk, return to the jaywalk then in Portugal, tell me a little bit about how you were building up to that, how you were preparing for those set of races specifically because those must have been your main focus this year right yeah so I definitely really from from August September 2021 I was thinking you know this is my this is going to be the pinnacle of 2022 for me this is going to be my my number one thing and a few of us managed to get out to Portugal in January for a training camp some of us who actually went and then some of the Marini guys and it was all very last minute because it was in Omicron but we we pulled it together and we had a fantastic week actually it was great fun just getting getting to grips with the areas and everything and and then yeah obviously at that point you're still in kind of your your winter training and then your speed starts picking up in march april for the all the selection races and i start doing a lot of track races and 5ks and all that so that was the kind of general curve of preparation and also the obviously the technical orienteering as well which i was getting some good training camps for 
getting to Scandinavia a few times was all excellent. So that was all, I, I suppose, it, yeah, a lot of things make up the preparation for it. And I think when you got to that jaywalk, you were the only one who'd done done a jaywalk before. What do you think that experience gave you in comparison to the rest of the team who, who'd never competed at that level before? Yeah, so that was a funny thing, actually, being, being the only one, because I, I was very much the baby back in 2019, and I got ruthlessly bullied by all the older guys <laughs> in a very loving and gentle way, but... You know, as so I now you were taking that back on the rest and, of the team, and right? So, yeah, suddenly now I was, uh, you know, allowed to bully people. Um, no, of, of course not. I, I, yeah, I sort of, so that that was an interesting perspective, and I kind of thought, oh well, I I kind of know the score here, but then obviously with what happened with the cancellation of the races, no one knew the score, yeah. and we were all kind of, we were all busking it. We were all, no one had any idea what was happening. But it, it was, I think it's it's important. You know, people say, oh, this is an, an experienced team or an inexperienced team. I don't think that really matters. But, I mean, it's it's sure definitely not a bad thing to have, you know, one person, a couple of people who have been to the competition before. And we also have, you know, we had a nice mix of older and younger people as well, who regardless of whether they've been to Jaywalk or not, they've been to UIOC, they've been to Jack, they've been to other internationals, some people who hadn't, but that's, you know, that's fine. Different people come to Jaywalk with different get with different goals and different expectations and you know that, that that's the great thing about it is that because you can go multiple times um or well i thought i could go multiple times wow. uh then that gives you the kind of freedom to target it in a different way yeah there must be something still between a difference between maybe going to your first one and going going to a second in terms of a little bit about about what to expect in terms of just how big it is in terms of a bit in terms of the quarantine a bit in terms of just seeing all the other teams around in national kit the amount of you know photographers in the forest or in the towns and just a few kind of small things that it's the running cameramen yeah the running cameraman that just shows that it's a it's just a little bit bigger and the first time i think not not if a lot of people can deal with it completely well the first time but it does it's a adds a little bit of an, well. yeah they can't or it adds a little bit of an extra dimension that is hard to deal with yeah absolutely like i um i think you do sort of subconsciously um just kind of accept everything when you're there for a second time you're like yeah well of course that's the case and <laughs> of course we do that and that's quarantine and that's interviews and all this stuff and and that was that that's great actually um but it's also nice to have a bit of a sense of I don't know, like wonder and like, oh wow, you know, look, look at all this occasion. cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's good for the for the younger people in the team to have as well. To be like, this is so cool. You know, this is not like anything I've done before. This is different. This is bigger, and I think that's fantastic to have a mix of that as well. So, talk us through. Then you've alluded to it already. How how did it work with them cancelling the forest races? How did you find out, and what was the team vibe? Because that is a hard thing to hear. <laughs> yeah, so um, so Jaywalk was starting on the Monday with the sprint, and about half the team we came out on the Tuesday before, which was pretty early, but the situation arose that we could, and there was people coming straight from the European champs, and we thought, I, well, certainly I thought, okay, I want to do this, let's go early. So there was... Well, I guess a heat of right? 
Yeah, That'd partly be... as well, because it was it, we'd seen the forecast, and at that time the forecast was saying kind of mid, low to mid thirties, which is hot. Like you know that is hot. Yeah, hot and it was like okay, we need to we need to deal with that as well. So we came out, we did a few days of training, a mixture of forest and sprint, mainly forest, because it's the competition is mainly forest, and it was good sort of getting my head back into the forest. So I hadn't been to Portugal for six months. For the younger guys, it was good for them because they hadn't been to Portugal ever. So it was nice to get that experience. And then most of the rest of the team arrived on the Thursday night. So on the Friday, we were all together. We were training. We went. We did some forest and some sprint. It was all great. And then on the Friday night, we were having a team meeting on the in the hotel we were staying. There was like a big balcony area. We were on that big balcony all sat chatting about how we were going to use the weekend, model event, opening ceremony, blah, blah, blah. Just you know, mundane stuff. And it was Penelope Salmon's dad, so one of the New Zealand guys, Paul, he came out onto the balcony and he had this face, a very sort of ashen face. And he said, have you seen the news? He just said it generally, but like, no, he hasn't. And he said, he said, there's, there's a ban on forest access for the week. Now, because of his New Zealand accent, I thought he said axes, as in what you <laughs> chop a tree with. And I thought, well, I wasn't, Using, I wasn't going to use an axe anyway, so that's really not a big issue for me. Um, and then, it, and then, sort of in my head, I was like, oh, access, oh, oh, all right, okay. And then there was this sort of pause moment where everything kind of froze. And I think it was Jim Bailey was like, ah, oh, good one, you know, like, oh yeah, that's a that's a good joke. And because I think that would be quite a funny prank if you just went sort of ah immediately and were like ah, good one. I think that'd be quite funny. Maybe other people wouldn't. And then, but. but Paul's face was clearly not, he was clearly not joking. And then it was like, oh my God, this is real. And then he got the email that the organizers had sent saying, we can't run the forest races. There's a complete ban nationally on forest access for the week of July, whatever to whatever. Mm. And at that point, I I just laughed. I just laughed. It was just like, felt like this crazy twist of fate. You know, like we've had two years of no jaywalk. Two years of nothing and getting knocked back and particularly the GB team, worse than other teams, just getting mm. shafted. And then this was like, it felt, I don't know, it felt like conceding a penalty in like the 95th minute. Or something. Like it was, it was, I just couldn't believe it. It was like, honestly, I, I honestly couldn't believe it. And we all kind of like, I mean, without the expletives, but like what on earth? Like this is, this is crazy. And we kind of all went off and I was actually, I phoned my parents because they'd actually just flown out to Portugal and it was it was my mum's birthday and they were having dinner and they were like what's going on we don't know what's going on and I said to, I said to my mum all about it and she was like oh Pete you know you're yeah you're like you're just the guy who gets not who gets knocked down and gets back up again you know you're so resilient and I just remember thinking in that moment and this is minus various swear words <laughs> in my internal thought process of I just I don't want to be resilient I just want to be I just want to come to races and do them you know and it felt so cruel in that moment that this was like this crazy thing had happened that no one could have predicted and it was taken away from us. It was just an unbelievable, unbelievable thing. And like that whole, that first night, no one could really get their heads around it. Um, because obviously at this point we didn't have an alternative schedule. You know, we didn't know that there would be a mixed relay and what they call the urban relay, but what is really just, well, it was just a, another relay. Um, so yeah, it was a crazy thing, a really, really crazy thing. And I hope it never happens again, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I saw it and I think I was in the States and I just kind of, yeah, didn't believe it. I was like thinking, 
oh yeah so everyone in portugal is banned but but the orienteering can happen right and 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 then you you go oh no it, it really can't no so this this was the thing they it, the, the way they communicated it was very much they were told it was banned they tried to appeal it but they didn't and the tricky thing was it was the right decision because there was forest fires in the area you know mm. and like really bad it was it was so hot it was going up to 40 degrees most days we sometimes you'd step out the hotel and if you've ever been in a sauna where they heat it with pine that's what it smelled like and that's burning mm. pine and it was like surreal you could there was haze everywhere on the horizon there was forest fire. I think the nearest forest fires happened about 40k away, which in the grand scheme of things is really not very far. Mm. And also the, the problem is if they'd actually wanted to run the races, they would have needed to have lots of firefighters in, in the area. And the firefighters were all deployed fighting actual fires. So it was definitely the right decision. But yeah, when you hear that, you just like, yeah, you can't really process it, to be honest. It was just crazy. You, I was chatting to your parents about this and they said they thought it would actually be quite dangerous sending a whole load of juniors out into that heat, let alone the fires, but into that, you know, it, was, it wasn't just low to mid 30s, it was in low 40s. And we know what orienteers are like. You, yeah, on a long distance, you're taught to push and push because it is a, a time trial, you know, and you don't know what all the other guys have done. And, you know, you, you go you for it. And when you're representing your country, you don't drop out. Like that's just not in the psyche of anyone who's going to those competitions. No, like you're you said, absolutely like, right. If you're working yeah. for three years. You, no one's going to be trying to stop that race or want to stop at any point. No, I fully agree, and I think, I, I think you know, let's say, let's say the forest fires didn't exist, there would, there would have had to be a conversation. I think the relay and the middles would have been fine. I think the long, there would have had to be. It would have either have to be shortened or one minute start intervals or something because that's the problem. The jaywalk start window is so long. They were mm. already going to start it at eight a.m., which is super early to start a race. Mm. But that still would be last start at like quarter past one, which is you know that's, the that's worst in time. the worst yeah the worst heat of so, the day. But then the thing is, ultimately, there is that heat does not exist without forest fires. So you know that actual hypothetical scenario doesn't exist if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it also, you know, it raises questions for the for the future as well in terms of hosting events and locations we do them in um, because, you know, that was a disaster. I mean, they turned it around unbelievably well, but it's like financially it's a disaster and it causes massive issues for, for teams. But yeah, we're going to sort of international orienteering is going to have to have a pretty serious conversation in the years to come about how how we deal with that uh sort of you know the rising temperatures and forest fires and all that yeah time of year for hosting things because you look at the european champs as well and that was what the undergrowth there and the impact that that had on all the races and i imagine we'll probably get onto it as well either that you looked hot as well from all the pictures so it was i mean it was indeed yeah so that and alabama as well in july for world games you know, it's it's the timing of these races. Is it actually optimal for people performing at their best and actually conducive mm. to good racing? No, so, I fully agree. Yeah. So when did when did the organisers have this plan B together of this um, sprint relay, this other sprint, um, this other relay? Sorry. And yeah, how did you, as a team, you know, I can imagine team morale is like rock bottom after hearing those that news. So how how does it progress from there? 
Yeah, so honestly, I don't really remember how all the details came out, but they said in the initial announcement, they're like, we're going to organize alternative or we're going to try to organize alternative races. And we kind of thought, well, they could definitely do a sprint relay because they're going to introduce that next year anyway. So that's fine. And then we thought they can't really do another medal discipline, but they could do another race as such. And the problem is you couldn't run another mixed sprint relay or another sprint because then that kind of, that's a bit, that kind of invalidates the other one. You know, if someone wins the actual one and then they lose in the next one, it's like, well, who's the real champion, you know? Mm, mm. So I think the the information was kind of drip fed out through the week. But like I should say the organisers were amazing with it. Like they're the loveliest guys. They did a fantastic job to pull it off. I mean, it's amazing how they did it. They set, they you know, they created a set of really, really great races. It wasn't perfect, but it can't be, you know. Um, so, and I think the program they created, the sprint and then the mixed sprint relay and then the urban relay, which for those who don't know was just a sprint relay, but three men or three women, so just like a standard forest relay. Yeah. I think that was the absolute best they could do, and they did it. So, you know, full hats off for that. I think. And how much did? you yourself but also the team as a wider have focus on the forest because i would imagine knowing your sister better than i know you she's a very much of of an all-rounder and i would imagine you're really gunning for the forest as well yeah absolutely yeah i mean i think like no one in the team no one in the team is like it's all about the sprint Uh, some people are more interested in the forest but yeah you know that's what we you know we went out there on a training camp and we did you know back in january and we did 12 training sessions of which only a quarter were sprint so you know that tells you all you need to know like mm-hmm. as you know only two were sprint only a sixth of sessions were sprint so yeah obviously we are spending most of our time on the forest and then it's like then you have this kind of switch okay right it's now it's all about sprint um and i i you know i love sprint i think it's great and i knew i was in a decent position physically to do that and I kind of thought okay well let's just use this this is the new set of circumstances this is it and let's just roll with it let's just deal with it and 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 push on and I think the team as a whole reacted really well to it because it was so unnerving the whole thing and everyone just kind of really took it in their stride and and just went forward with it and I think you know they should be commended for that we've got some people on the team who you know like have barely ever if not ever represented GB before and you know their first competition they get smacked with an absolute <laughs> train wreck of a problem and and yeah. they just they dealt with it so you know fair play but yeah i was very much quick to change the focus and okay right this is the new this is it and and we're ready to go for that yeah um orienteers like to prepare for a lot of things and a lot of scenarios but nobody really could have envisaged that so how no. did how did your races go on on a personal level and for you so yeah so i was I was really, really, really pleased with all my races. Um, I I look back on the sprint with kind of mixed feelings because I, I came 12th and I was very pleased with that. But I, I ran conservatively. I, you know, I, I ran potentially, I don't know, it's hard to say within yourself because you're all obviously, you know, absolutely going for it. But I did, I did run conservatively because I thought if this is my only jaywalk individual discipline that I get, I am not gonna bin a minute because i ran down the wrong alleyway you know like this is not i'm not doing that to myself so it was happening a lot which was happening a lot yeah 
and it's very easy to do because you know these these sprint maps are crazy you know if you've seen the maps they're they're so you're just constantly map reading and so i but you know i'm pleased with how how i was physically and i gained a lot of time the kind of last k of the course was just you know sort of slogging up a massive hill in the very very hot weather and i gained a lot of time there which i think was a nice uh, confidence boost and then the other the two relays again really really pleased with my performances coming i managed to come first on the first leg of the urban relay which was definitely one of the if not the highlight of my racing career so far i think it was just an amazing experience obviously you know we missed punch and that was that was a shame but that's orienteering and you know the the mix sprint relay didn't go how we wanted to go either but you know as an as an individual you can only control what you do on your leg and in all in all three races i was very pleased with that so i look back on it very fondly and you know i'm pleased with how it went i'm pleased with how i prepared and how I dealt with it so i think that's the main thing really and on the miss punches point pete there, there did seem to be a lot of them across the whole week from every country do you think that was just more down to the the pressure that everyone was under to try and perform in the different set of races or just general jaywalk pressures i think I think there's always, I think the general jaywalk pressure you talk about is always a thing because people have a limited number of jaywalks and they kind of come in. A lot of people sort of big rabbit in the headlights like, oh, you know, this is it, this is it. And, you know, yeah. that's actually a bigger problem for the best nations because they, people don't tend to go as many times because they have more juniors. Um, so I think that's always a thing and that always causes problems and mispunching. There was a lot of mispunching going on. I think that's partly due to the fact that you have very small areas with very intricate alleys and road networks. I don't know, I won't call them a road, it's not a road, it's like <laughs> tracks. Um, and, you know, that in that heat of the moment, and particularly it, it's alleviated by the fact that we had two relays, you know, which which sort of puts it out of kilter a little bit. And people always miss much more on relays because they're running high speed together. It's intense. You know, you don't want to, you know, lose a second and all that. So... But it's always the case at junior competitions you're going to have things like that. So, you know, yeah. it's unfortunate that it happened to us, but, you know, we move on and it's it's not it's not the end of the world. Worse things happen, like forest fires. So you just kind of <laughs> roll with it. And, you know, there's always next time, I think. And that's, you know, jaywalk shouldn't be the end, I don't think. And it's it, it, you should be just using it as a kind of stepping stone for other things, really. Um, although that's not that's to diminish it at all. Yeah, it's you know it's like if you say if you sort of won Jaywalk Gold and then walked off into the sunset, people would be like, why why have you done that? You know that yeah, it it feels unfinished. So I think that's another thing yeah. to bear in mind as well. Yeah, I think that's about good. I think that's what the Brits often tend to get as well, or suddenly used to is that you'd go all in for Jaywalk and like, oh sweet, done it, completed, and then you'd not think about anything down the line at all, and it would just way too much pressure on that single week if you're going like in your final year say for just the one time so and that's a very good approach yeah absolutely no i agree and i think now there's very much more of an emphasis on you know jaywalk isn't it and we are how do you look towards your seniors and certainly i've had that this year with you know making the senior debut in estonia at the europeans it you know you show that it it can be kind of a a conveyor belt for some people it's different you know for some people they after their junior career it takes them a few years to you know reassess and get back into back into the team you know this is a long distance sport and it does tend to favor you know older athletes 
um, you know, just that's Ralph Street. Um, but uh, no, that's rude. Uh, but, you know, it's always that. So different people have different approaches. But it's yeah, it's important to remember that it is the junior world champs. It's not the world champs, and therefore it's a massive thing. It's a really big deal, but it's not the end. And that's that's the important thing, I think. And this jaywalk, it's not even the end of this jaywalk yet because no, they've announced the, um, they've actually rescheduled all of these forest races. So these forest races are not cancelled. They're just postponed until November. That was, um, I think, agreed just after the European champs um, uh, last week. And so they will be a return. There will be a return trip to um, Portugal. I know not all of the teams, I think some of the, some of the teams outside of Europe are a bit um, annoyed that this is going to be happening because obviously it's going to cost, you know, cost loads of money to get a team over from the likes of Australia to uh, to Portugal um, and I think it f- for you it's going to be maybe a bit tricky as well because I hear you are off on a year abroad um, with uni uh, so it might be a bit, it might be a tricky one yes um, so I, I study French and Russian at university so I have to do a year abroad I was originally going to go to Moscow for the year but um, which would have been great enough, no yeah, strange enough that that fell through um not after I'd submitted all the forms, though, which was a good week of my life. Um, so I'm now going to Georgia for six months, just south of Russia, not the American one. Uh, and that was going to be from the end of August till the start of March. And there's not much orienteering there, but I was planning that would be a kind of off season anyway. I'd just keep on training and, you know, hit the races that I want to hit next year. Um, and then suddenly this massive curveball gets thrown in. I do seem to have a habit of getting massive curveballs in my life. Um yep. And this was one of them, and so that yeah, so I'm I'll be coming from Georgia to Portugal for the competition. So that's a bit more bit more air miles for me. Um, but like, as much as it's annoying and there's a cost involved and all that, like it's so much infinitely better than the alternative of well, we don't do them. You know, like because th- I think they could have done that. They they could have said, well, actually no, we can't do them. We don't have any money. You know, it's too too much of an organisational burden. We don't want to make it unfair for other nations and you, you couldn't really well you could argue against it but not that much so i think you know it's great that it's happening and i remember even when they announced that it was they were going to have this alternative thinking like oh another change of plans oh damn but you know it is what you want to do you want to have the chance to race and i think they've worked it out well with a good schedule they're obviously very very keen to keep the cost as low as possible and i think they they will do that quite well and you know that's obviously going to mean not having TV coverage and all this stuff and maybe not even a banquet as well, but I'm sure we can just about survive uh, <laughs> without that as a thing. But, no, yeah, Jaywalk so Banquet? Play. What? I know. A, tr- a real tragedy. If <laughs> yeah, ever I, think, I think that's blasphemy, actually, Pete. I don't think you should be selected based off that opinion. Oh, sorry, Will. Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll resign then. <laughs> well, there was one already, right? There was already a banquet. There was one. Yes, there was one. Oh, there so yeah. we've already had it. So you can't okay. have two banquets in the year. Come on, that's just that's too greedy. <laughs> that's yeah, that's you know, indulgence, isn't it? <laughs> Um, but but yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be coming off a not a whole load of orienteering into those. But yeah, I can see you're just it's just glad that they're happening. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. definitely. And the whole team will be pumped, and it's going to be the same team that's already been selected, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. So the, I mean, I, I know other nations are reselecting. I, I think Switzerland uh, re- are reselecting. Yeah, and and there are there, there are arguments for both sides, but I think ultimately. We, you know, we selected a team for the Junior World Orienteering Championships. The Junior World Orienteering Championships has not finished. It's still going. 
and people got selected based off four forest races and two sprint races and yeah and i think as much as you know there are people saying other things i think it is it's absolutely the fairest decision and i yeah i am you know obviously i'm not really fast about what other countries do but it 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 does seem pretty odd to me that people are uh reselecting and i think certainly if i was in that team i would have a few things to say about it but I, i'm not so i don't so yeah it's all good yeah i don't like the idea of that i, I think they're shafting those athletes personally oh, okay. um sorry you i'm next to the river you'll be able to hear it in the background um <laughs> there's a i think that's really poor i think you, you can't let like you said you can't let people and then reselect them based on a completely different set of circumstances for the same set of races um but that's what switzerland's do and the like anyway so uh so after kind of two years not getting much experience it feels like this year you're just getting all the experience all at once because i think we're even going to skip over o-ringen um where you you competing there it seems like you're going from one competition to another and i know you're going went straight from o-ringen um to the european championships in estonia um were you expecting that call up to the to making your senior debut uh, no, I was not. No, I, I really wasn't expecting it. Um, I, you know, it, it, it did sort of come out of the blue, um, but I was very, 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 very excited about it. And I'm, I'm very glad that I was given the opportunity. I think, <laughs> I think Estonia maybe wasn't the ideal country to make my <laughs> debut in the forest for GB. Um, but, you know, you don't pick the country, you got to deal with it. And it was great experience. And it was also just great fun. It was, you know, a lot of the... I, I know a lot of the senior team really, really well. Um, but then there's also people I don't know very well. And it was really nice to spend some more time with them and get to know them. And we just, it was a great team. We had a really fun time. Um, you know, we had some pretty good results as well. And yeah, just getting that first, that first senior competition was, was just a massive thing for me. And I just, I spent a lot of the week just kind of being a bit of a kind of fanboy, really. <laughs> you know, it, it's people who I was watching when I was 12, you know, and, and now I'm, you know, lining up in the toilet queue behind them in quarantine. Like it, it, it's a really, who, sort of who were you thing. really fanboying over? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'd say it's not, it's not more fanboy more than terrified of Tony Alexanderson because <laughs> she, she has this look in her eyes in quarantine. That's just, you know, I, I made the mistake of accidentally making eye contact with her and honestly daggers, um, Oof. you know, but she's, she's clearly, uh, she's clearly focused and, you know, she, she she gets it done. So, and then a lot of the men as well, you know, these guys who, I mean, the guys, the guys I've seen more from doing Eucala and Oringen and stuff, but it's still just being like, wow, you know, I like, particularly, I remember there was a moment when I was, I was running first leg in the relay and I was standing in the, you know, in the mass start and we're all lined up in our rows and you just sort of look around you and you're just looking at, you know, walk medalists, you're looking at people who've won European champs, people who've won World Cups, people who've won Eucala more times than, I've had birthdays, you know, it's just like, it's an amazing thing. And I, there was, I, I really tried to not lose that sense of like, you know, wow, this is really cool. Um, and that was just a fantastic thing as well. So it was a great week. And you were originally selected to run the, just the relay. And then I know with Will, you unfortunately having to drop out with COVID, you managed to get another um, race uh, race underway, race opportunity. How, obviously guided for Will, but, that's an opportunity I know you wanted to take. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. To be honest with you, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, like, it really, really sucks for Will, and I I felt pretty bad, but, you know, I, I, like, we can't not put someone in, and I was oh, there, oh. and it, that's just the way it is, so, yeah, that was, um, so I was put into the middle, which is what Will would have, would have run, uh, and the middle qualification race was the first race of the week, I was first start, which, yes, if I you could imagine, that. if you could imagine a forest... If you could sort of dream up an event where first start was the worst possible thing, I think you'd put it in that forest. It was, you know, I I, I felt like David Livingston, you know, like just ex- discovering a new African jungle. As I was like, and like machetes, everything. It was, there was parts of it where, honestly, just pretty impenetrable. But it and was, I think the middle yeah. qualification area, from what I was hearing, was like the worst of the green. Yes, it was the worst one in the week. Yeah, as far I mean, I didn't run along, but certainly the organisers after the middle quality said this that was the worst bit. Yeah, it, it all of... gets better from here, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But that didn't help me much on that um, on that first race. But like you know, it's it's good to get thrown into the deep end. I think it's it's important to just you know this is it. Welcome to being a senior. Um, and I think I'm I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad that I gave it a crack. It it didn't go the way I wanted. I. You know, I lost two minutes of one control and then I lost a lot of time quite near the end just trying to find a, a re-entrant, inverted commas, in a completely flat, featureless section of horrible stuff. And I, yeah, I mean, if everyone see the GPS trace, if you want some comedy, you can go and have a look. But it was not great. But, it, you know, it, it, it's experience and there was a lot of things that went well and I tried to sort of carry that forward throughout the week as well. Can you try and explain what about that the green and that green combined with the contours that it was on makes it so hard for orienteering? So what makes it really difficult is firstly, it's really hard to hold a line. So, you know, there's no paths or anything. So it's all compass. And, you know, it's really hard to hold a compass bearing when there's fallen trees and nettles and just general bush in your way. What it also does, what what really high vegetation does is it completely dulls or numbs the contour features. So it's really hard actually to work out what's up and what's down almost. That sounds quite dramatic, but it is the case that like, you know, if you were running, let's say through, you know, Rose Isle or or Darnoway, you know, a completely clean area, it's really easy to see, okay, that's the depression, that's the hill, because you can just see it in this case. All you can see is that's a bush and I don't want to go there. You know, that that's that's the alternative. That's what that's what we were dealing with here. And it's actually you have to be really, really focused and on it with just kind of perceiving things and you know, focus and trusting yourself as well. And also, you, it's very hard to in orienting. We always talk about looking ahead. Yeah. You know, you should be looking ahead and going, I'm going to go to there. Really hard to do in Estonia. You know, it's like there'd be times when. I remember the the third control in in the middle quality was on a a two contour hill in a flat section of forest a, f- a flat section of light green and it, like a two contour hill in a flat section you think you could see that from two hundred meters mm. away, and I literally had to like walk into that control before about ten meters before and was like aha the hill is here because yeah. I couldn't see before yeah. that, you know and that's where like the confidence thing is massive because if you stop early and just go oh no I'm I've I'm gone too far I'm gonna hunt around. Mm. it's really hard so and it's the first time i've ever been stung in the mouth by nettles going through a bit of white forest uh so that, oh! that was that was pretty grim as in, well. the mouth, no. in the mouth no yeah stung in the mouth so it, that yeah the, the the vegetation does make it very difficult but ultimately whether you first start or whether you last start you know the the visibility doesn't change 
and the level that numbing of mm. contours that doesn't change so it's everyone is dealing with the same challenge um uh, but it's just and, a really difficult challenge. and it, and so many of the top athletes really really struggled like tova alexanderson only got one medal like she no hang on two no did she did she get a medal in the long i think yes she did she, she did. came second yeah. just about yeah. and she she absolutely yeah i know exactly um and she didn't get a medal in the middle and then she managed to win the relay but she just felt like I think she just couldn't get focused, couldn't figure out how to orienteer in the area. Simona Absold, who did take her first European title, she went out, she'd been out to Estonia for two separate periods. She went straight from the World Champs to Estonia, then went to the World Games, then back to Estonia after that because she just didn't feel confident in the terrain. And I was telling myself pre-running, it's like, right, you know you've taken a Compassberg and you know you've passed this. Like, just get your butt into gear and get moving. You've not messed up. Like you have to really give yourself a bit of a pep talk to get around the course, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really like, it, it's just so, uh, so unnerving be, being in, in green terrain because it just, it, it kind of strips away all your orienteering techniques and you you want to run, you want to move and you can't and you've got to be so, you know, pinpoint accurate with what and you're, you're doing. And, and your orienteering well. basics have to be really good. I think you just fall back on the like really basic skills and then you really know if they're good or not. Yeah, like the basics are so important. You know, where I lost a lot of time in the middle, well, the middle final, the middle B final, I should say, because, uh, you know, going in, I was going from a section of uh, open, the kind of scattered trees mm. um, or like River the Battle of the Somme enactment is what I really <laughs> thought it was. Uh, scattered trees into the dark green mm. and I didn't I didn't go into it knowing exactly where I was which is a really easy thing to do just stop mm. for five seconds and go okay I'm here and I didn't do it and I lost three minutes because I didn't know exactly where I was and you know it's, it's stuff like that that's so important so yeah it's it's the basics and anyone can do the basics but it's actually in your mo- in that moment reminding yourself to you know just have this total orienteering process and I think the people who did that well were the, you know, were, were the winners. And yeah, I think it, on on other terrain, you you can get away with not quite having it quite there, and you can take more risks, and you can do that. But you had to, you, you know, you just had to be so solid, and it wasn't, it wasn't all the same type of green. That's what was kind of quite interesting is it wasn't all the same type of green and there were white bits in there as well. Believe it or not, especially in the middle finals. There were bits that I was like, wow, this is actually white. And that kind of then threw you off. Yeah, there was really nice sections. There were some mm. really lovely sections of forest. And some of the light green w- was fine. But yeah. then you also had like hell on earth <laughs> at other points and the stuff that was really tough. So it was, we, t- we talked a lot about it in, in the week, just like how do you, how you transition between the sections because mm. you run mm. differently in those different sections. You know, white, it's like head up, compass go 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 you know like make the time in the green it's like survive you know find the control but you know this the guys you know i wasn't you know i didn't follow the women's results so closely as i followed the men's but Mm. you know they're running so quickly that's what i think like you know these guys are clearly just you know absolutely spiking all the all these controls and it shows that you have to be confident you have to uh just be so on it with it but yeah, it was that was probably the hardest thing actually of the week was all the transitions and all the all the changes in mindset and okay, this is light green. How do I find a control when it's light green? How do I find a control in the white? And all that. Um and if the people who the people who managed that best, I think were pretty obviously the, the people who ended up on top of the podium, the people who, who did well. 
Yeah, we saw a lot of the Finns do well. We saw great um, Estonian medal as well. And, and still those, you know, the, the forest specialists, a lot of people who actually didn't run, um, you know, at the World Champs or anything like that, the World Cup, really those forest specialists and people who kind of had experience in that terrain and were, were very, very confident in their forest technique that kind of did that. Um, how did you enjoy the relay? The relay was great fun. We had... Um... So we had a long time in quarantine for the boys because the the girls were running first. So we actually, us and the Australians, we had we had a game of cricket because we were in this little sort of grassy bit next to this wee farmhouse which had lots of uh, chopped logs. So we nicked some and played cricket because they had a tennis ball. And that was, well, mainly fun and then also hilarious because all the other teams were watching and a lot of them <laughs> have no idea what cricket is. And Ralph Street seemed absolutely intent on batting every single ball straight into the Swedes tent which I just thought was fantastic and we had the Swiss getting hit by the wickets as well it was hilarious but the actual race was uh, it it was super intense off the start it was a pretty bad tempered start to be honest I was right in the middle of it a lot of pushing mm. a lot of shoving and loads of teams um, loads of teams like yeah, 50 teams or something yeah, yeah I think about 56 teams or something so it's a big start straight into the forest and you know, my first impression was like, wow, this is quick. Like, you know, like, this is so quick. And that first control was really hard. It was in the middle of the light green. And I just thought, I cannot find this control running at the speed that these guys are running. So I'm not going to do it. And I slowed down and I and I spiked it, which I, for me was like a massive confidence boost of going, okay, right, I can do this. And then sure enough, having come out of control four and then onto the road, which was maybe about 10 minutes in, suddenly a train of, you know, Daniel Hoodman, Ruslan Glibov, Elias Kuka, all appeared looking absolutely furious because they'd clearly binned loads of time. Oh, the that, first, the first two controls on the men's race was chaos. Absolutely chaos, yeah. I, really I could see, you know, I like I punch my one and then I come out and one, I, I see, you know, Joey Haddon looking absolutely rabbit in the headlights. He's clearly not found his one because they were all really close together as mm. well. So it was the people who did that well, that was like a big... Uh, big boost but that was yeah, very I lost decisive it. Yeah. yeah it was it was a it was it, it's a tough race though because I lost you know about three minutes at control six I think it was which was mm. a, unfortunately a common control so if I just if I just sat on the pack it would be fine and it, I re- didn't relocate particularly quickly and then the problem is once you lose the tail of people you cannot run as quickly as they are running on your own you just mm. can't like mm. you know it, it's it's hard to explain why that's the case but it it, it just is you know it, like you've got that momentum as the pack and people lots of pairs of eyes lots of map reading and that was a struggle and I had a really lonely relay actually after that I, I didn't really see anyone I was with Portugal one for a little bit I found a, a Swiss guy for a little bit but beyond that it was pretty lonely and that was it and so that was tough because I knew I was losing time and then there was little mistakes creeping in. So I finished and I was pretty gutted actually. But, you know, I had to think it's my very first relay and there was there was really good bits. Like the first bit was, you know, that was a very, I ran that very well and I was pleased with that. But at the same time, there's a lot to improve on. and But that's the good thing. You know, that's that's the point of going. I wasn't going to win the relay. I wasn't, I know, that's not that's not why I was there. I was there to get the experience and improve the future so in that sense it was a mission accomplished but it's always it's not nice to have a have a race where you feel like you've not um performed the way you wanted to no and I think I think unfortunately for the team I think that's probably reflected in in most of the team's performance throughout 
most of the the championships I think it was a very you know the team was riding high after the world champs and then um and so much of the team's focus has been on other competitions other than this one whether that's the world champs whether it's the junior world champs for yourself I think it's been really hard to then go go back into the into the forest and perform as as you wanted to I know you know Megan didn't have as, as good a race as she wanted to Grace I think was was the best of all the women with a 20th um position for her in the middle and um Ralph actually equally matched his top ever performance in a world or European yeah. champs of 13th yeah it was it was it was a tough week um for the team and I think you know this I think the tricky thing is basically no one had spent any time in Estonia. Yeah, yeah. Um, like preparing for this competition, and you look at the like the Finnish team. I think were there four times potentially before wow. in the year. Yeah. You talk about Simona Abbasol; she was there loads. I know Casper Fossil was there loads. Mm. The Estonians have lived there their whole lives. You know, there's there was clearly a level of preparation which you'd want and which we yeah. didn't have. And you know, and and part of it is just it not it not happening on the day like it like it's that's just sometimes the way it is there's 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 peaks and troughs and there was you know uh, there's people in our team who who could have you know could have got really really great results and then just messed up a little bit and that's not to do with time and terrain or going out to Estonia before that's just that's, that's orienteering just, you know, yeah that's orienteering that's just how it works so it, you know it's partly luck it's partly you know it, it's, it's a number of things but um yeah, Estonia. I think we. It's fair to say we we went twelve rounds with Estonia, and some of us emerged slightly worse for wear potentially. <laughs> yeah, it was Estonia a tough old champs. Sorry, Will. I think Estonia won in some cases. Yeah, I think so. Definitely for the middle quality. I, I I was feeling like I'd taken a taken a pretty big L to Estonia uh, in in that first one, but we've all, all been there. That's what happened at Walker, Estonia. <laughs> it was a big big L. <laughs> well i'll have to come back that's the thing i you know unfinished business it feels like in estonia i'll need to be back because well, it is a great place that, that's what i thought and then i couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't even go well so you'll estonia be back it doesn't like me but mm. yeah hopefully. but it does sound like what... a tough week i mean like you say the consistency of uh things happening like ralph missing the punch in the drinks point on the butterfly and the long and people just missing controls by 10 meters it's stuff that is easily solved for the next forest championships i think next year yeah yeah absolutely and i think you know people are like we've got there's a lot of drive and motivation in that team and there's a lot of people who have got massive massive potential and i think it's just a case of realizing that and maybe in estonia that didn't quite happen for some people but you know that's that's yeah that's it that that's orienteering and you know the the good thing is everyone is motivated and ready to come back and you know give it another crack and that's that's the most important thing and you move on to the next one uh very quickly uh you go heading out to the world unis i believe in switzerland very shortly yeah in about 14 hours time nice early flight from edinburgh so yeah world unis i'm running the sprint sprint relay relay and middle so not the long Mm-hmm. Um, so ev- everyone is doing maximum four out of the five disciplines because there's no rest day. You just run straight through. Um, but that should be really good fun, actually. I'm really looking forward to it. It's the sort of north of Switzerland, so it's not alpine. It's more sort of rolling hills. So mm-hmm. it should be quite it, different to kind of alp stuff that I've done before. Um, it's going to be a very, very high standard of competition because you, know, you can compete up until the age of 25. So there's people... You know who were winning JWAT medals back in 2018, 2017, who are going to be there, and but that's exciting. You know, it's good to have that. 
and I'm really looking forward to it. I think we've got a great team. I think we're really strong and it'll be good fun as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be a nice, well, it was the way I was thinking I was going to end my season, <laughs> but it's not. Um, <laughs> but it'll be, a, it'll be a great thing either way. No. Will, you've done World Unis, haven't you? Um, do you have any bits of advice you can pass on to Pete? Um, oh, bits of advice. Um, what can he well, expect? It's, it's now. When I did it, it was up to the age of 28. So you had, oh, wow. even, even, you had like Hugman turning up in his prime. Um, <laughs> that was a bit annoying. Mark and Hugman, I don't think Daniel, I think Daniel's a bit too old. Um, a bit too old. Yeah. Uh, bits of advice. Uh, you, you see a few more people going a bit more haywire, I think, because they kind of get the invite as the B in, like the B level or just below WOC or Europeans. They're trying to be out there for something to prove. So, some people will just be a bit headless chickens, so watch out for them. Um, don't use them in the relay and things like that. Uh, the relay is probably just as hectic as that European one sounds, the two teams per nation. Um, so that can get a pretty physical... I think you remember the one in Hungary was a very physical uh, start straight up a hill. It was um, hours everywhere. But I think just enjoy it. Everyone's there who's you know similar kind of adult age, the they can have a bit more fun. It's a bit more of a relaxed, chilled atmosphere than the Jaywalk races because you know, people are just kind of more there for the enjoyment of orienteering at the same time as trying to perform at a high level rather than you know being so focused purely on the um, on the performers. They, like your attitude was saying, Pete, for, for Jaywalk, you know, taking the enjoyment from it, you know, seeing what it's all about. People are, I think, a bit more relaxed and a bit more experienced in the whole senior environment so it's just quite a nice chill atmosphere everyone's staying in the uni blocks so you know you get you get a good laugh and there's a pretty good banquet at the end of the week as well so i don't know if that's advice saying what it is um <laughs> no thank you very much yeah no just i, I just enjoy it and and take it as it comes and i think that's how we that's, that seems to be how well, the times that i did it we got some pretty good results and like the sprint and things just went in pretty good team atmosphere did a lot of geeking and everyone was just happy and having fun. And the results came out of that. So, yeah, just go and enjoy it. And enjoy being back in the thick of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Great way to end, and the, end the summer. We've got to win the beer race at the end of the week. Because GB has a very proud history of that one. Well, the problem is, I also... I really let down the side there as as an as another, you know, Grace is teetotal and I'm teetotal as well. So, shamefully, oh, I will have a... to... I know it's disgusting, really, isn't it? It's absolutely embarrassing. So yeah, there'll be a, a non-alcoholic version, I'm sure. Yeah, and we've also got Alistair Thomas. I've heard he's a bit of a bit of a demon when it comes to. Well, I know he is a bit of a demon when it comes to beer relays. So I'm sure he'll. Uh, I'm sure he'll carry. Yeah, <laughs> he'll do a good job for the team. And um, I want to kind of wrap up now with a with a little question about, you know, you've been to loads of places um, this summer. Um, what do you think was your was your favourite part or your, your favourite your favourite terrain of everywhere you've been this year? Oh, that is such a good question. Um, that's a really hard one. I, I I've loved Portugal. The times I've went, the the forest. I mean, as much as it's been sort of so annoying, the forest is awesome and it's really really fun to run in. It's beautiful forest and it's just. Yeah, so intricate, so fun, so complex. I've loved that. I had a great training camp in the very, very southern tip of Spain back in March. 
um, which was fantastic fun, just like sand dune forest. Uh, we're doing a lot of kind of night intervals training. And when you're in a big group, you know, 20 guys running hell for leather in the night with your head torches on, elbows out, it, it doesn't really doesn't really get much better than that in terms of orienteering. So probably one of those. Scandinavia as well. I've had some great, great times in, a, in Scandinavia this year doing Oregon or Tiamila or Eukola as well. My first time in Finland was this year, so that was fun. I appreciate that as an absolutely dreadful answer to your question. <laughs> but um, if I had to choose one, if I had to choose one, I'd probably... Or I don't... I'd probably go for... Um, probably go for Portugal. I think that... Because that's been a new, a new country for this year from January, and I just think the forests are absolutely amazing. And I'm very, very much looking forward to going back there in November because it's just a pleasure to run in those forests. Well, it's a good job you are going back. I'm so jealous of your year, by the way. Sounds like you have been literally everywhere and you've had the absolute year of your life. You are seriously making up for two years of COVID and not being able to go anywhere. It really sounds like you've maxed out. And I hope, you know, wishing you all the best of luck at the World Genies and then obviously at Jaywalk um, to kind of end off this spectacular year and, and your whole year abroad as well. So I'm sure it's going to be really amazing. And yeah, best of luck for all the races to come. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, it should be great. should be awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Pete. That is the end of this episode. We will be back then um, in another couple of weeks, try and wrap up some things, maybe from World Uni's fingers crossed for for the whole team who are are going out to Switzerland for that. And um, we've got one last senior race um, of the year with the World Cup final. That'll be coming up also in Switzerland. Two major races in Switzerland coming up. So I'm sure we will take a look at that one as well. And we will uh, chat to you next time. 